up, everybody? This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and as always, I am joined by... This is Adam from Back Patio Network. And our plans kind of got foiled. Um, Adam and I had planned for uh, AMP episode number 50 to be the time where we finally sit down and review the second movie, Heroes Rising, and we could have swore when we finished recording last week that we had seen that it was streaming on Amazon Prime for rent. Uh, but no dice, it's not out anywhere, so we're not doing that. Yeah, that was weird, because I could have sworn that we both saw it, and when I went to go rent it and watch it, it's not there, so we'll just have to wait. Uh, I'm sure it'll come out soon. I'm sh- you know, I bet if we Googled it, there's probably a release date, just haven't bothered to look it up. I, th- I think I had seen where it is, it is releasing on Blu-ray in Japan next month, like July something, okay. um, which means that there'll be, you know, a... a delay between it releasing there and it becoming available here but you know who knows what that delay will actually be like but the you know best laid plans of mice and men we just decided to continue on with the vigilantes content because we had an absolute blast talking about it last week um and we thought we'd just pick up that ball and keep running with it for the time being it's either that or socks and ties from hot topics so <laughs> you guys vote tell us on twitter what you actually like us to talk about and we we might cover socks and ties. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But for now, let's just talk about Vigilantes because it's been pretty good. Yeah, I agree. So we last time uh, we we sat down, we covered chapters one through four of volume one. And what we're going to do this week is covers cover chapters five through eight, which includes like a little half chapter, like seven and a half, I think had a, like a little half chapter in it. Um, and that is going to bring us out of volume one and uh, almost exactly halfway through volume two. So if you're following along and you don't want spoilers and you want to read before you sit down and hear us yakking about it, now's your chance. Um, the miracle of podcasts is that you can hit pause or stop right now and come back to us whenever you'd like. So that's pretty awesome. And, you know, I feel like these chapters were shorter, so it may not take you nearly as long to read either. I think several of them were only like 30-ish pages long, whereas I feel like chapters one through four were like 46, 50-ish pages long. They're still super fun, though. I mean, the yeah. the pacing keeps up um, in these in these chapters. So to, we'll pick up, we'll just jump right in um, with chapter five or episode five, which is called B, B-E-E. Um, and we pick up with uh, Sukochi or Sukoichi, you know, that guy whose name we're probably slaughtering and have since the beginning of the AMP. Um, he's sitting down with the guy who turned into what I kept referring to as a lamprey. Um, last time we talked about Vigilantes, he was the guy that took Trigger and then turned into a giant eel and, he and went like down a, the slippery slope with a pop step. Yeah, and he looks more like a kid than a guy. I mean, I don't know. I would peg him at like 12 to 15 years old. Well, on the second page of the volume that I have, they have him listed as age 19. Really? Believe it or not. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So he's older. He's not even in, he's, he's probably out of high school. Oh, yeah. Here's you're another right. fun yeah, detail. He's listed as age 19. I, um, I was looking over these names and I didn't bother to look up, um, any of these names, like of the dude who, like, had the crazy Wolverine spike claws that turned into an echidna last week. You yeah. know, one of the jerks. And I didn't go back. I assume that they're still using naming conventions and primarily because this dude, the dude who turned into an eel, his name is Teruo Unagi Sawa and Unagi is Japanese for eel. Yeah. And I I know that from my sushi eating days and also from a drop dead hilarious DC Benny bit 
um, from Comedy Central Presents from years ago where he talks about eating unagi and it giving him a raging boner that he couldn't control. <laughs> and it is, it is absolutely funny. Um, right, maybe when this episode goes live, I'll, I'll share it on the Twitter because it is stinking hilarious. It's Every time I see or read or hear the word unagi, I think about that bit and I laugh. You're gonna Every have to. Time. Yeah, you're gonna have to share that. There's, uh, there's no excuse now. You and I'll have a little post credit scene um, after we stop recording because you, you can't go to bed tonight without <laughs> seeing this bit. It's hilarious. Okay. All right, all right, we'll have to watch um, it. Then. So there's a little bit of discussion about what they're gonna do with this guy Unagi Sawa, um, and they eventually just decide to let him go in the hopes that he would be able to take them to the person from whom he received the trigger, the dose of trigger. Yeah, but it seems like he's only willing to talk to Popstep directly. And she finds that out because uh, the Wolverine and Cyclops kids become friends with her. And I guess they've been texting. And they text her and they're like, hey, this uh, this kid's totally willing to talk to you, but only you. It has to be you. Yep, so they, they uh, start to arrange for a little bit of a meeting. And um, Koichi thinks that it's hilarious that the X-Men are still like in that close contact with pop step. I think you had talked about how weird you thought that was last episode. Yeah, it is. It's it just, just persists strange. here. I mean, it's like, I well, I guess do we, do we know how old pop step is? She's still like in high school. So the age difference isn't as crazy as I guess I thought it was. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, they're in middle school. So she's, she's somewhere in grade school, I would guess. Yeah. Um, I did check on the the wiki page, but it didn't say anything explicit about what year she was or anything like that. But um, so they start formulating this plan to go meet with uh, Unagi Sawa, and they're like, maybe we shouldn't bring Knuckle Duster because all he's going to do is punch the kid as soon as he sees him again, which is you know that's that's good forethought and planning. Right, so they end up going ahead and leaving him behind, and uh, they decide to go meet up with the, this kid. And on the way there, they run into this girl that is kind of freaking out. Like, I guess they she sees Pop Step and you know sees her as a celebrity that she is. And if I remember correctly, it's funny because Koichi is saying something along the lines of like, "Oh, come on, it's not like you're a real celebrity or anything." As this girl freaks out and sees her. So she pops out, wants to grab a picture, and at first this seems kind of harmless, uh, but uh, this girl, I think, it turns out here in a few pages, is revealed that she's maybe a bit of a villain herself. Yeah, she says something strange, like she's a part-time villain, um, still, I think, is a student right now, um, and there's this really silly interaction between Popstep and Koichi because this girl is just like, who's that, your boyfriend? And... uh Koichi is like super fast to deny it and that pisses pop stuff yeah. off. <laughs> and then at least in my copy, she's like, no, he's just my manager. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they end up uh, bumping into, let's see. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. Then you have um, Cyclops shows up on the scene and he, again, does, does your version continue to call him the hauler instead of the crawler? Yeah. Yep. It's hauler. Okay. <laughs> So now, they were calling ex- him something else in your version, though, weren't they? The crawler is what they were calling him. That's what I thought. Yeah, like as in like the donut. Yeah, yeah, they were calling him the crawler the, instead right. of the crawler. Okay, so in mind, they're calling him the hauler. Yeah. Um, and so he explains that Wolverine is off with the uh, eel man, um, and 
they're they're on their way basically but then they turn around and knuckle duster is sitting like at the restaurant that they had chosen for the rendezvous with uh unagi sawa so things get a little awkward Right, so Knuckle Duster's just sitting there, and there it looks like they're in like a public cafeteria of some kind. And he tells them like, "Oh, hey guys, what's going on? Like, why don't you just uh, pop a squat with me? Then don't be shy." And uh, you know they're trying to kind of avoid him. It seems like at first, and he's like, "Ah, no, let's uh, let's see if we can't deceive him and get away from from this guy in general." And then we switch over to the scene where we see the bee girl from earlier. Uh, and, or at least we we know her as the bee girl now, and it's the girl that took a picture with uh, Pop Step. And so she releases some bees, and it seems like she's controlling them telepathically somehow, maybe. She's wearing this, like, eye patch that I feel like has something to do with the bees. Because later on, we see a bee get squished, and she, like, bleeds from her eye patch, which was kind of strange. Yeah, I think that 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 eye patch is just covering up a hole that is, like, her whole head is a hive. That's what I fear this is actually like, and it's super gross. Yeah, it's really weird. Really, really. Yeah, weird. in this scene, she's still walking with her girlfriends that she was that she left. Um, you know, with they walked away with pop or from Pop Step, and then this bee with a what looks like a hypodermic needle, um, crawls up into her eye patch, and I guess the other kids don't really see it. Um, but then she excuses herself. She's like, "I gotta go," and uh, she runs down this alley. And this is the part where it becomes super unsettling because there's this panel where it has all these automatopias coming out of her head. So she pulls her eye patch off and you see scritches and rustles and buzzes. And she says that she's a part-time villain and her queen, her her quirk is called queen bee. Um, and I guess she has a swarm of bees somehow inside of her head. Now think about this for a second, Adam, at some point, all quirks manifest, right? You go from being no idea what your quirk is going to be to having a quirk, right? So there was a time where this lady didn't have bees living in her head making those sounds. And then all of a sudden, she had bees in her head making those sounds. That is a wild transition to me. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out... how do you sleep at night? Well, and that's where I'm trying to figure out, is it a matter of she, like, overnight, she just had bees pop up in her head? Or is it more a matter of she learned that she could control bees and, like, carved out a space in her sinuses for them or something? You know, like... That sounds way worse. I know, but... Chicken or egg, right? Well, I think I mean I'm I'm open to the idea that it happens in degrees. Um, I don't know what the degrees would be like for this. That a cavern begins to grow inside of her skull, in which bees take residence. But then, where do these bees with hypodermic needle butts come from? They have to have been generated by her because those things don't happen in nature that I'm aware of. Like, yeah. listen, we've been freaking out about murder hornets here in the U.S. for a couple of weeks. It's just another 2020 thing for us. But even those things don't compare to the scariness of these bees that have hypodermic needles for rear ends. That is frightening to me. Well, and you kind of have to ask yourself, like, because they show a picture of one of these bees and it's got liquid in this jar that is its rear end. And you have to wonder, like, does she have a little factory in her head that's pumping these bees full of the liquid? Like, how does that work? How does she keep from getting stung? You know, and on top of that, her head is normal sized. It doesn't look swollen. So and she has an entire colony of bees in her head where's her brain at oh god you're right maybe they aren't just in her head they're in her entire body you keep making this worse although i will say that as freaked out as i am by the sight of these bees with hypodermic needle butts kind of all bees have hypodermic needle butts but not like this like you have to see the picture to understand right like 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 adam was saying it's like a reservoir yeah that's 
you know, that's translucent. And it's got liquid in it. And to, you asked a good question, how does the liquid get in there? Because I don't, I don't know that it's her quirk. Because later on, we find out that the liquid inside of her bees has been provided to her, which adds another weird fold to all of this, right? Yeah, this whole thing screams weird. Um, and it turns out that she's the one that is causing these people to, I guess, get their um, triggers. Because originally I thought it was the guy that transformed, I think in the last issue, where uh, the guy turns into the massive monster and he he hit, he like shoots himself. He had the, uh, the briefcase full of the dolls. I thought he was selling it, but they make it seem like she's using her bees to just spread it randomly to people. So see, I think that it's either she is she is her quirk is being used to test different versions or types of trigger, um, just to like broad tests for data because that's the guy is talking about collecting this data, or she's going around creating. Like I don't. The second theory is less plausible that she's going around creating a. Um, you know, a dependence in people because m- the most of the people, maybe maybe all the people who get stung by her bees in this next scene, they're never going to want to take this stuff again because it is horrifying. A bunch of people get stung. They all turn into villains. And then a bunch of like legit heroes come in and wreck all of them in a matter of seconds. Like it surprises all of these bystanders. Like the first person on set is Air Jet. And then you get uh, Ingenium is the yeah. next guy. And then you have a bunch of the UA staff or what we would know to be the UA staff running in. You got uh, midnight snipe, uh, present Mike, um, Izawa's there, best genus 13 endeavor. Um, and then what's that death, death arms. Death he's arms. running yeah, around he's running in the again. Back there, yeah. But they, they show up on the scene and in like three pages time, um, all Mike comes in and wrecks this giant hulking dude too. And it's, and it's like three pages of, People turning into into villains, and then the the problem being solved. And I kind of feel bad for wild. those people too, because I mean, they it's not like they were really villains. They just got stung by a bee, and then their quirks went haywire. I mean, so this one guy that All Might is having to beat up was just some guy that like got stung by a bee and got big, and then because of the drug, he freaked out. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. They it's not like they were doing anything villainous. A lot of them just looked absolutely scared. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, you know, it, they didn't know what was going on to them. It would be a lot like if you were allergic to bees and some, and you got stung and someone just started beating you up because you started swelling up, you know? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I felt really bad for everybody in this situation. Yeah, that's true. Uh, one of these bees managed to, manages to find its way over to, uh, to what do they call him? Geezer fists, scary geezer fists. What was their nickname for him? Oh, crap, I think they I call him like old up. man fists in mine. Old man, it's pretty great. Um, but anyway, Knuckle Duster ends up with one of these bees, and he immediately refers to it as a bee user. Which did he already have experiences with this with the bees? Like, is this another thing that was already on his radar? Or is he just making up a, a term on the spot? I couldn't tell. I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that it's kind of on his radar only because uh, later in like either the next chapter or the chapter after that. Koichi brings up to him something about the bees, and he he kind of shrugs it off, like he doesn't know anything. But I don't know. And in this, they call uh, he he calls it a beekeeper. So okay, yeah, I don't know. I get the feeling that he knows a little bit more than he's leading on to. 
Well, that's pretty much the end of uh, chapter five, except for the fact that there's like an ominous, if only we knew what was coming line um, before we transition into. So we go from harrowing public display of pseudo villainy and and heroism to the beginning of chapter six, which is called No Need to Hold Back, where we're introduced to these three guys uh, who are fully clad in black, have almost the exact same quirk as Koichi does, the slide, or glide and slide is what they call it. They call themselves the three Sturm and Drang brothers. I meant to look up That's interesting. if that, what, yeah. if that meant anything. Because in mine, it's, um, uh, it's translated to the Storm and Stress brothers. Okay. That, well, that would, uh, that would fit very, uh, very well what they do. They're these villains who... It's messed up, they get, <laughs> It's <yeah>. so strange. Well, <laughs> it's so wild. It was such a weird tonal transition it to was. me. It was, and it's such a, like... And for me, it's the opening to Chapter 6, and it's it's a really weird turn of events from Chapter 5. Yeah, yeah. So they get into a single file line, and the first person that they, they go... they look for young girls in skirts. And the first one slides by and says, I flip. Second one slides by at speed and says, I strip. And he like yanks the panties off of these girls whose skirts were just flipped up by the first guy and then tosses them to the third guy in the line who just says, I wear. And he puts them on. And they do this in sequence (laughs) multiple times before anybody's able to stop them. Over and (laughs) And over It's like the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, it's insane. And... What gets even worse is that the crawler shows up on scene and he is going to protect these, uh, the, the way that he puts it. He says, I'm a man who is mindful of the dignity and chilly hips of women everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and the funniest part about it is the girls just end up beating him up thinking that he's also one of the perverts. So then the, st- yeah, because he has the same cork. Yeah. So then the storm and stress brothers are like, Oh, you're one of us. Let you, uh, you know, let me, let's tell you how we do it. You know, like let's bring you in on the, the project here. And, uh, I mean, it's weird, man. These three brothers are they something get, else. They get into this really weird conversation where Koichi was like, there's a whole other bunch of different ways that you can get panties and none of them are good for these guys. They're like, but then they're just strips of cloth or how do we know that a young girl wore them and not an old man and all this It's this strange conversation. Yeah. And then like, where like, pop- it's so weird. Cause even after the strange conversation, pop step is just like, what is going on here? And he's like, well, I don't kink shame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. And she's just like, why are you giving so much thought into making these sick people happy? Yeah. Um, and that's about the time that knuckle duster just starts punching people in the mouth, which is what should have happened from the beginning. From the beginning, really. right. Yeah, and Knuckle Duster is doing it right. Uh, and he cracks me up. There's a scene at the end that's great where he's like got one of them in a chokehold and he's he's kicking the other one out of the frame and then there's one in the background and he's already been knocked out. And he's like, all right, well, their tugs aren't black, which means they're, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just says moving on and walks off, leaving these unconscious bodies in the alleyway. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, and this is the scene that I was talking about where Koichi and uh, the master, as he calls him, or, or Knuckle Duster, is, are they're sparring on top of the roof. And Koichi says that it seems like he hasn't been talking very much re- recently, and he wants to know if it might be related to that bee tamer business. And this is where Knuckle Duster doesn't really say much, and then he just knocks the crap out of Koichi and like kind of takes him off guard. Uh, and then he starts wailing on him and is like using him for target practice. So, uh, and pop stuff gets onto him and is like, you know, aren't you ever going to go easy? And he walks off. So I think he knows something. 
Yeah, I, uh, you know what, I didn't pick up on that when I was reading through this myself, but that is, that is an astute observation. He's definitely, he definitely gives pause after being asked, asked about uh, the B user. Um, so I'm curious to see what that connection is, because in, through chapter eight, which is where we're going to stop tonight, um, that connection isn't made very clear to me, unless you picked up on something else that I didn't. No, I mean, this is really the only time it's mentioned again, at least as far as I can remember. And I just read these a couple hours ago. Um, but okay. it seemed like that was the big moment there. I expect that more will be revealed as we learn more, because we get a little bit more into what's going on with this beekeeper near chapter 7 and 8. So, Yeah, and we bump into her again kind of after that scene with Koichi in the sparring on the rooftop, um, oh, where yeah. she's she's speaking with somebody um, who has provided that trigger, which is what I was talking about earlier. Somebody has given her that um, that liquid that's inside of her bees, and they're asking about getting data and limited quantities and things like this. So she's not her own supplier. She is the, she's a provider. She's a dealer effectively, I guess, but in a different, obviously a very radically different way than that dude who we met, um, in the earlier chapters. Sure. And she does say something. Well, it's not her. It's whoever she's talking to on the phone. Uh, this person says in order for an exceptional quirk to manifest, a strong will is absolutely essential. And she replies with a strong will, so like a hero. And he says, or a villain. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting that they're talking about like a uh, quirk being tied to strong will. I wonder if that's some sort of like science-backed, you know, statement, a fact, or if this is just something this person's saying. Who do you think has the strongest will of our little group of vigilantes? Who's going to get stung and? Go berserk. Well, I don't know, because if you want to talk about willpower, I would say it's Knuckle Duster, but he doesn't have a quirk. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's the one that gets stung and then nothing happens, because they've already kind of hinged on using that as a... Um, it's not really a MacGuffin, but it's definitely a narrative piece in this segment. Yeah, that's true. I would say that he has the most will as well, or at least the most determination. Yeah, which I, I mean... I guess in my mind, I see determination and willpower often in the same, you know, kind of hand there, but they're they're not always, I suppose. Well, she finds some, I mean, dude who, obviously, he screams villain, his design does. I mean, he's just some guy um, in the back alley that she runs into, and well, the funny thing is, is yeah, he, like, the guy she's talking to on the phone, at least in, in my translation, he's talking about how often those people with strong wills are a pain in the ass. And so it transitions into her telling this guy, like, all right, well, I choose you. You win the pain in the ass of the year award. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he's just cussing her up and down while she opens this box of trigger. And he just grabs a handful of them, slams them into his neck, and then just starts going nuts. I mean, to be fair. And I couldn't tell exactly what his quirk is, but, I mean, he just explodes into rage. Well, and it's weird, too, because... In one scene, it's like right after he slams his neck with three of those vials, it looks like his arms get huge and he's like destroying the ground. But then on the very next page, he's tiny again. So I don't know if that was just like an inconsistency in the drawing because two pages later, he's in the middle of the street and he's all hulked out. Yeah, it's it seems like his quirk is he's able to like channel his strength into his fists, but the trigger causes his whole body to kind of erupt because he ends up uh, drawing the attention of the the vigilantes, and um, he starts going toe to toe. Everybody, I mean, 
Koichi, despite his sparring practice up on the roof, has come to the conclusion that he's not the sta- the the you know hang and bang type. So he's like trying to do his slide and glide the heck out of the way. Um, but Knuckle Duster just jumps right in, man. Oh, and it's so cool. It is, yeah, it's a very cool fight. He jumps in. They're doing all these punches, and he starts paying attention to the fact that this dude is is doing like what I said that he's somehow empowering his punches um and that must be like how his quirk is so he has this tremendous wind up um and his power is insane but uh knuckle duster is able to stay just enough ahead of it during this fight well yeah oh, yeah he says it here i don't because he's like dodging it by the skin of his teeth and it's got this panel where like he's being hit and it's just skinning his face and he's like barely bleeding from the nose yeah, he says it this way, I found where he was phrasing. He says, so he gathers up all his strength and focuses it in his fist at the last second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, so he just decides to, yeah, stand up, and he's he's just taking these, like, glancing or great uh, grazed blows from this guy, but that allows him to stay inside of his punches really well. Like, he, there's... There's not a whole bunch of distance capabilities on our little crew of vigilantes right now that I'm aware of. No, not really. I mean, I guess Popstep has distance, like she can create distance, but that's it. There's not any uh, distance fire. Yeah. So they all have to get up close. Koichi's useless in a fist fight, so Knuckle Duster does what he can to stay close, stay inside of this guy's punches, um, and after a couple pages manages to land this blow that um, that knocks him down. He says this punk has normal, his normal attacks might've had some speed behind them, but his, you know, his quirk enhanced attack was uh, a lot slower. So he was able to slip in and counter it well enough. The artwork for this bit is amazing too. Like there's four or five panels here where they've just zoomed in on this punch and it looks so cool. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, I, I, I really hope that this gets turned into anime because I really want to watch this in motion it's very well illustrated, and again, I think that it would be darker, like not just tonally but visually, than my hero. It would it would, it would have very much this the feel of like the stain arc, yeah. you know, um, yeah. where it was just a lot darker and back alleys and uh, shadows and stuff like that. I think like this, the tone of this show would be a lot closer to that than what we're used to with you know the bright blue, white, red uniforms of UA and stuff. For sure. Yeah, it would definitely have that grittier feel to it. Um, but, you know, I love the way that this this little fight scene ends up here because uh, it's got Knuckle Duster, like, breathing real heavy, talking about how aggressive this guy was. And he's like, yeah, it's just what I thought. You know, villains have got to be huge guys like that, don't you think? And he's got this massive, like, just shit-eating grin. You know, like, he's just so stoked <laughs> to be fighting someone bigger than him. And then they're sparring on the rooftop again, and he's talking about how great it was to be taking on something that wasn't a small fry. Knuckle Duster's awesome. He, he cracks me up. He is. He he definitely loves what he does. Maybe a little too much at times. Way too much. He's he's very he's he's a he's a zealot. I think that that's a fair word to I use think so. yeah. um, when talking about him. We we pick back up with a conversation uh, with the the queen bee quirked lady. Do I don't do we don't ever see her name? Do it we? was actually um, at the end of uh, last the last chapter. It's like oh, it's like Husuka. I think I must have missed it. Okay, I'm just going to refer to her as Queen Bee because that's that works for that's me. That's easier to pronounce than any name that she's going to have right. that involves Japanese. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, she's on the phone, or or well, is she? 
it, you can, no, she's being spoken to. Well, no, she's got an earbud in. She might be on the phone. It's hard to tell. Um, but this, she's wondering if they need to take the vigilantes out of the picture and whoever it is that she's speaking to is like, nah, leave them in. They, they keep the heroes and the police out of it because they, they let us collect our data and then, you know, bring the test to a close before real power and authority shows up on the scene. So, um, you know, they, they're given kind of license by the bad guys to continue to interfere, which is interesting. Yeah, we actually find out her name uh, in the last chapter. It was right before she introduces her quirk. Uh, her name is Quinn Hachisuka. You know what I'm actually going to call her is Honey. Honey. Because that's what this dude <laughs> that she meets on the uh, blind date oh. calls her in this version of the book. She says, are you Honey from the app? He, yeah, he, she, uh, um, he says Honey Chan in my uh, copy. This whole little exchange here is kind of weird because you get the feeling that this, like, I don't know. I got the it to me. It felt like this high school girl was like totally going on a Tinder date with this like dude, like this businessman. You know what I mean? Yep, I agree. That's the only vibe I got from that entire page. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I, it, I didn't really love it. There was some. Uh, I don't know what you would call them. Just like wor- words. They're not word bubbles, but there's stuff written on the page that says stuff like perilous temptation, and I was like, uh, it's kind of creepy. Ooh. Yeah, that, none of that's in this book. Yeah, so I don't know. It's on the last page there where it's got uh, Honey and this man walking off hand in hand. So, weird ending to chapter six. Can't, can't wait to get a peek at your wild side, mister. And I assumed that that wasn't innuendous so much as it was that she's planning on slipping him some trigger at some point. That's kind of what, what I was I was like, too. please, God, let that be true. Yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> that she's just picking up creeps off the, like, almost doing vigilante work in her own sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the end of Chapter 6. Um, let's jump into Chapter 7. Chapter 7 was and cool, man. Chapter 7 was super cool yeah. because we get to see a whole bunch of Ingenium. You call, or Ingenium? I don't know. I, I call let's go with Ingenium. Ingenium. I like that one better. It probably is Ingenium, I but I like Ingenium. I like the hard G, but Ingenium makes it sound like Ingen, and I'm down with yeah. that, given his quirk. Right, right. And so I, I didn't see a name for this one. Do you have the name for this issue? Uh, this chapter? Yeah, this chapter. I call it an issue. I'm a it's comic called book Top, guy. Top Runner. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, we, we did get to see a whole lot of Ingenium's agency in this issue, where just getting to see how they work was really cool. It reminded me of like the old Star Fox 64. You know, where you've got like four or five guys out on the mission and you've got like headquarters talking back to you, telling you everything that's going on. And they're like right there in the mothership with you. Like it looks like they've got a trailer full of people that's telling Ingenium what's going on, chasing this villain down. I mean, in this high speed chase, it's just really cool. It is super cool, except none of them suck as much as Slippy does, and you want to shoot them out of the sky yourself. That's true. They're much better than that. You're totally um, right. But they're chasing down this guy who, it looks like he's in a straight jacket yeah. to begin with. I thought he was like um, a vampire that had been put in a straight jacket, was exactly what I was thinking. But he is hauling butt um, down the interstates, and um, Ingenium's team has managed to close roadways, and he's getting all this information from different members of his team slash agency as they're stationed all about, like they've, they've created almost like a cordon of this area and Ingenium is in the back of this truck that's driving behind this guy and they deploy him like a Zoid. Oh, it was so cool. Was the th- <laughs> it was super cool. I was like, God dang it, this is awesome. Yeah, like there's Why, a full I, I countdown. I want to see this in anime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did a full countdown and everything. It was so cool. Uh, and he, he looks so much like a uh, like like a zord or um 
Oh, uh, he looks like, like something out of Gundam. Yeah. I mean, it's just wicked. I I love the everything about this character so far is so cool to me. It is. He I like I like him a lot. Um especially as he's presented in this chapter. So he's trying to catch this dude um and the wh- whoever's he calls him a reckless runner. I don't think we get a name anything better for a name that we can use than that, but he turns around when Ingenium pulls up next to him and just kicks him, which sends Ingenium flying into a like a uh, a wall, a barrier, but he has airbags <laughs> yeah. in the back of his suit that deploy, um, which is a super cool touch to me. Um, and so he's fine, but the dude gets away. And they they had said something like this: they've been on the tail of this guy for a while, but he just keeps disappearing. Um, so that that remains a mystery at this point in the uh, in the chapter, anyway. Yeah, and then we transition into Koichi running the next morning. It looks like, and uh, so he's talking about how his part of town is kind of dead. There's like not a lot of folks around, so sometimes he's able to get in some pretty good practice for his gliding quirk. So he's gliding around, and he sees this dude jogging, and he's like, "Ah, it's just one guy. It's it's not too big of a deal." And so he jogs past him, and this jogger is like slowly catching up to him, and then all of a sudden he's right there. And he kind of scares Koichi, so Koichi doesn't see the turn coming up and like goes almost goes right into a wall. Uh, and it's Ingenium. Ingenium like speeds up real quick and stops him. So uh, the our two unlikely friends here have officially met. Yeah, and Ingenium is totally cool. He introduces himself as Tensei Ida, um, and then and then Ingenium. So right. he's like, you know, ever heard of? this this other thing that I am, right? Um, which I, I liked that order. Like he wasn't just flaunting his hero name right out right out of the bat. I don't know why that impressed me, but it, it wasn't did. like Endeavor, um, who I assume introduces himself as Endeavor. Yeah, all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And uh Tensei is totally cool because at first Koichi's like, man, am I in trouble for using my quirk? Because he knows that Tensei is a pro hero, you know, licensed and all that stuff. And Tensei's just like, no, man, like I was just going to tell you that 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 quirk seems super dope and starts to like ask him all these questions about it. Like, how can you move? And Koichi is showing him, you know, left, right, front, back, spinning circles. Um, And Tensei just starts thinking out loud. He's like, man. You ought to be able, you know, you have handling that's a lot better than me or my brother can manage. And Koichi starts talking about the fact that he can't stop. And Tensei has something to say about that, too. Yeah, I I do like here, too. There's a little moment there where he's like, my little brother can't even turn corners yet. And in the background, it's got uh, Tenya, who's like run into a tree, I think. (laughs) That cracked me up. (laughs) Uh, And he tells him, he's like, well, if you you don't have brakes, the problem might be with the way you're using your quirk. He says, why don't you try doing like the exact opposite of whatever motion you're going in. So since you can go backwards, why don't you just do that when you're going forwards and you want to stop? And this like revolutionizes the way Koichi thinks about his quirk, I feel like. This this is like the equivalent of when Midoriya figured out he should kick instead of punch because it just redefines the way the character is going to be. And so he pretty much right. masters this technique in a couple of minutes, it looks like. I mean, he's got it down. He's going back and forwards, left and right. Uh, so it... See, I think he even uses the word like, oh, wow, I've had this problem for years and it's finally solved. So, you know, that's pretty cool. It's amazing how like a quick five minute conversation with a pro can just change the way you see something. Right. And he still kind of Koichi kind of remains down on his on his quirk. He's just like, ah, you know, now I can stop. But, you know, it's still, you know, kind of a crappy quirk, you know, speed, you know, whatever. And Tensei goes into he's like, no, man, like speed. Speed is everything. People want 
to be rescued, they don't say get here when you can. They say get here quick. Yeah. And so he he kind of goes on a page diatribe where he's just like, you know, it's my job to reach them even a second sooner to give them that peace of mind. So for heroes, that number one factor is speed, in his opinion anyway. And of course it would be that, but also he does make a reasonable at least case for it. Yeah, and then at that point he's like, well, you know, I'm not a hero or anything. And and Ida says something along the lines of like, well, you're a student, aren't you? And Koichi says, well, yeah, yeah, I guess I am. And he offers him right off the bat, just like, well, hey, how about you, uh, you know, get a job at my agency once we're done here or once you graduate? And I think this takes Koichi by surprise. I mean, he's really shocked that, like, right off the bat, someone would be willing to even offer him anything like that. Yeah, and he even has a cool business card. Yeah, that he, he, hands, he to hands him a business card, and then he goes into a quick, like, sales pitch where he's like, we emphasize teamwork at my agency, you see? And he talks about all the different values and how they really want the best person in the right spot. I mean, it's straight up like a hiring agency pitch. Yeah, he says he closes the deal with finding just the right use for more focused quirks, winning the day through teamwork. Those are the ideals we follow over at Team Ida 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, he's so this, this puts Koichi. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and this puts Koichi into a pretty good mood. So he goes back up to the the rooftop apartment and starts making some some food for his uh, undesired roommates, I guess you could call yeah, them. Yeah, they that. are kind of undesired, unexpected, unexpected it, for sure. Least. I felt yeah. bad for his roommates in this position though, because he's cooking up some food, and uh, you know, Knuckle Duster walks in, and he's like, "Oh, hey, it's just me." And uh, Koichi's like, "Well, hey, I'm making some food," and and Knuckle Duster asks Pop Step, like, "Oh, well, what's he so merry about?" And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, I just got this business card from Ingenium, and he offered me this position." And Knuckle Duster's like silent about it, and he's almost taking offense. And he's like, "What am I? Am I not good enough for you, or something?" <laughs> Which yeah, I kind of felt like bad how for him. Bad he was. Yeah, I just are you not happy with your current master? I imagine this would be like Batman getting onto Robin for learning from something from Superman. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty good. Yeah, it, and that's kind of the end of that scene. It was just this comedic bit where. <laughs> Where Koichi finally is happy about something and Knuckle Duster robs him of it, kind of, or at least tries to. Like, I don't know that he's wholly successful, but um, he's basically just like, it's kind of nice to be recognized, man. Um, And he still kind of gets squashed. And then we transition back into this high-speed chase where Ingenium is chasing after this this vampire, you know, speed-running guy. And they're going around uh, the highway, it looks like, and they're actually... it seems like Ingenium is catching up to him and he's a little bit faster. And, the, and this villain knows it. He's like, oh, you're moving a lot sh- sharply than you were the other day. Did you, you know, cut down on some of your excess weight or something? And we see this quick scene where Ingenium's telling his pit crew, like, all right, you're going to have to strip the airbag unit. And so, you know, he's sacrificing what he believes could be his life if he runs into something and those airbags don't deploy. Uh, and it turns out that he has wagered his life on his crew members, on his sworn friends and teammates, because they've set up this like barrier, like this marshmallow barrier is what it looks like. So he can run right into it and take those hard curves and distract the villain. And the villain get, does get distracted. And it looks like they're going to catch up to him. But the moment they do, he like takes off and flies. And it turns out that straight jacket is uh, a pair of wings. Yeah, some bat wings. So you are right to kind of refer to him as vampiric looking at the beginning. I like too in this scene. It's such a silly uh, detail to me. But when they show the marshmallow wall, as you referred to it, these like giant padded cubes that are in front of uh, the truck, 
there's a dude who's got like batons that you would see on like an airship who would like, (laughs) you know, bring the airplanes in as he's pointing uh, in Genom. He's like hit here and he's like pointing the batons. I'm like, that is such a silly detail. But it made me laugh when I saw it that, you know, that somebody on his team, he was just like, all right, I need you to hold these glow sticks and show me exactly where to (laughs) hit. Even though there's a giant circle on the very thing. Like, how do you miss it? There's also a hero there that appears to be part of his crew that reminds me of our our high school hero, Sugar Rush. He's got this, like, X on his chest, and he's got a cape with, like, a really plain-looking cow. I don't know. Something about him just reminds me of Sugar Rush. Yeah, I see him. We don't see him very well right no. there, but he, uh, you see him better in like the next, next couple uh, panels, the next series of panels. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, this guy flies off and they're all like astounded by it. And it kind of, re- you know, resolves that issue of how does he keep disappearing? Turns out he was just going straight up, I guess. My favorite part about this scene is that his whole team, Ingenium's whole team, right, is still kind of on the scene. They, they've, they're still keeping an eye on this guy. And one of them says, trap that villain in our net. And the dude's response was, net, your trap's third rate, full of holes. And I was like, y- yes, nets nets are like that. Um, <laughs> That's funny because he, he like, calls it, uh, he says the same thing here, but he calls them a gaggle of third rate losers. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, when he says full of holes, I was like, That's, yes, nets nets are like that. That's how that. nets work. Um, <laughs> But they're they're staying pretty hot on this guy's heels. He does come back down to street level and resume running, uh, but he ends up kind of creating some space between him and Ingenium again in some of these back alleys. I mean, he's running, and then all of a sudden, Koichi slides sideways out of an alley and totally takes this dude's feet out from underneath yeah. him, and then Knuckle Duster just blasts him one in the face. I mean, it's like this guy just trips right over Koichi right in the Knuckle Duster's fist. It is brutal looking. And Ingenium shows up on the scene and the dude has been not just punched in the face uh, and presumably had his tongue examined because that's what Knuckle Duster does. Well, his tongue is like out, uh, but also panel. bound. Yeah. He's also like bound. He's wrapped up um, and the vigilantes are kind of on this rooftop looking down and Ingenium's like, well, who did this? And he finally um, like goes to look up and he sees the crawler and Knuckle Duster and then Pop Step gets upset because Koichi didn't include her. But Ida's kind of looking up. Tensei's looking up there, and he's he's just got this smile of appreciation and recognition. It was cool. It was a cool scene. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it. cool. And it's totally another throw uh, throwback is the word I'm going to use, or another reference for Spider-Man constantly knocking out the villain and leaving them tied up there on the scene for the cops to find while watching from the rooftop above. I mean, that, that yeah. screams Batman, Spider-Man, so perfect for Knuckle Duster and the Crawler. And he ends up, Koichi ends up running into Tensei again the next day, who asks, uh, Tensei asks Koichi for his uh, his uh, business card back, yeah. which totally bums Koichi out initially, but Tensei explains it. Yeah, it's really nice of him, actually, because he kind of explains, like, you know, I, the only reason that I gave that to you was so that way you could find a place that you fit in, and it seems like you've already got a place, and so I don't really need you. And he, he kind of says, like, from my perspective as a pro, that's really all I can say. If you've already found a place for yourself, then I wholeheartedly respect that. So you can tell that he's he's kind of cool with the vigilantes. Like, he sees that there may be a need for them. Yeah, I mean, these three vigilantes were able to coordinate and execute on something that in Ingenium's company was unable to do on at least one occasion and possibly was looking at staring down a second 
L, you know, to yeah. this guy. But my favorite part about um, this bit is that he, he follows that up with, and well, to begin with, it was thoughtless of me to bring up the subject of my job to a jogging buddy. And it would be unfair to say that the vigilantes didn't benefit somehow from Ingenium's agency's work. You know, like they were definitely opportunistic in their strike. Um, but, you know, still, they were able to get in and do in a way that uh, the um, Ingenium's agency and, and his teammates couldn't. And Ingenium appreciates that. He's, he's, not, he's not so proud that he gets angry about not being able to bag this guy. You right. know? He's just appreciative. It's another criminal down. So that's, that's good. Good on him. Yeah, Ingenium kind of strikes me as the hero that, like, he doesn't care who does the job as long as the job gets done. And as long as it's done right, you know, and in this case it was. So he's fine with it. He doesn't have to be the one that takes the credit. So did your stuff have seven and a half? It did. Were you able um, to find I that? I did have seven and a half. In fact, I had like 6.2, six and a half, and a 6.7. I didn't read those in between, but I, I did read seven and a half. It's called, does it have, yeah, Appearance Matters Appearances is matter. what it's called in mine. Yep. Um, and we, it kind of begins with uh, the crawler going around doing more street level stuff. And it's it's um, cute he's, because he's like perfected his slides, so it makes it easier for him to throw away those trash, you know, cans that people have been littering with and whatnot. Yeah, he saves a kid who runs into the street to grab a ball. He gives somebody a ride to school because they're late, which is my favorite yeah. thing. <laughs> There's another one where like he gets a down mom on all fours, uh, kids lunch, and they're you know like in the bus already. So he'll like leave it to me, and he grabs the lunch and takes off. It's it's so great that that two those it's like a single page, but those panels are so awesome. Again, it makes it feel. Very street level. Yeah. And it, and it makes me feel like Koichi's not getting too big for his britches, you know, because he's involved in bigger things, but he's still keeping to his roots. And that becomes uh, a major point of conversation here for the rest of this half chapter. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the hero in One Punch Man that rides a bike. I can't remember his name. The cyclist hero is what I, I think. It, I think that's his name. Yeah. But he's just like I don't remember what his name a low-key hero that just kind of does things like this, you know, like helps people across the street and whatnot. So... Uh, I do like that the the problem he has right now, at least with all of these little things that he's doing for people, it's great. He's like, you know, I'm the I'm the man who brightens up the suburban lifestyle. But the problem is, no one actually calls me the crawler. Everybody just keeps <laughs> calling him the hauler, and it doesn't help that he's yeah. hauling people from point A to point B. You know. Yeah, and he's he's he gets challenged by Pop Step to stop doing you know what she thinks is weird, but. He's like, well, it's not, you know, it's not, I'm not about doing what's cool. I'm about doing what's needed, you know, what needs to be done, which again, you remember that conversation in My Hero where they were talking about flashy quirks? You know, Koichi's quirk isn't flashy, but he's using it extremely well. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing that Ingenium kind of picked up on as well. Yeah, for sure. Ingenium seemed really impressed by Koichi. Uh, I, I like that in general. Yeah. So Knuckle Duster comes up oh, on this scene. This. Um, he wants to go do more, uh, more searching for tongues. Yeah, he says he's going to uh, clean up a different kind of trash. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I like it too because I, I think it's Pop Step who's like doing it that way just leads to too many unintended casualties. If you just go around punching innocent people, and he just says their fault for walking around with evil-looking mugs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's their fault for having that up to no good look on their faces. And I think so it's Koichi Ko that says, like, well, that's a really dangerous way of thinking. And on that note, yeah. you know, we have, uh, you know, a plan. We have an idea. So they have come up with this plan to have 
pop step make it popular or trending to take pictures of yourself with your tongue out? So she's taking pictures with all these people with their tongue out in hopes that other people will do it on social media and they'll just be able to look at the pictures and anyone with a darker tongue they'll be able to pinpoint. And Knuckle Duster doesn't like this because it's boring and he has to sit back and wait. He doesn't have to wait very long because about the time that Koichi's like, yeah, if something doesn't happen real soon, he's just going to start attacking somebody when you start seeing screams that there's a villain and it's huge. It's like this giant black pudding thing with a weird mask thing on the front with these squinty eyes. It reminds me of the monster Um, from um, Spirited Away. Yeah, it does a little bit. That that similar looking face or mask thing. Um, but this puts a huge smile on Knuckle, Knuckle Duster's face. So he's just like, I'm just going to go and start punching. So that's what he does. He doesn't think about anything. He just starts ch- jumping oh, up uh, and punching this thing right in the it's face. It's like a Johnny Bravo smile. You know, like he's just got this big smile on his face and he says, check it out, Koichi. Now that's what I call a villain and he's going to go after it. It's beautiful. Uh, so, you know, of course, Koichi goes after him like, hey, come on, you can't do this. Uh, and he ends up getting a good lick in on him. I mean, he punches this villain, uh, and then the villain shrinks away, runs off, and as they catch up to it, there's a bunch of people in this alleyway, and it's like a little girl. They've got him labeled like a like you would have a like a lineup, and it's like a dude with horns, a guy's on his phone, and then there's like a normal looking girl and a guy that's got threes for eyes with a face mask, <laughs> and this little girl with the weird like face that looks kind of like the mask we just described and she's got label number five and knuckle duster just says my intuition is telling me it's number five (laughs) so he goes up and he grabs her and he's like gonna start beating up on her and pop step is like hold up old man that's a little girl you can't just hit her and so he's like all right well i'll just choke her and it's got a scene of him like choking her (laughs) out uh, so Pop Step rescues this little girl, and it turns out that she has a hero license on her, and she is a professional hero, and she had came all the way uh, to Tokyo to visit a hero office and just got lost. Yeah, so. I like that when he's like, then I'll just choke her. Koichi's just like, that's your plan B? <laughs> yeah, he says, that's your idea of gentleness. Oh man! And then Koichi's nice enough to give her. She was she was lost and late looking for Ingenium's agency. So he just gives her a ride. He gets down on all fours and he's just like, "Hop on, I'll take oh, yeah. you." Oh <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, Edenton. So he takes her over to Ingenium's agency. It, yeah, it was a fun little half chapter. I super enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I liked that quite a bit. And then they they kind of reconvene later, and uh, he tells them all that like, "Yeah, everything's fine. She gave us for forgave us for all of that." Yeah, and he. Uh, Knuckle Duster is sticking to his suspicious or evil-looking face line because the, the last line of the half chapter is a suspicious face like that is just asking to be punched. Yeah, he says in this version, nah, with a misleading face like that, I'm sure they wouldn't mind if we slugged him once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like Deadpool in some of these last uh, issues here, to me at least, um, with the way that they've got that like half half mask on. Yeah, like the way that Deadpool pulls his mask up to eat chimichangas exactly. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So that little half chapter was fun, uh, and it leads us right into chapter eight. Chapter eight, which is called Him. H-I-M. This was a short M. chapter. This was another one that's only got, I think, like 20 pages or something. Very short, but I I super like it. Um, I like it a lot, actually. And there's not like... 
it's there's no big fight. This is all character building. This entire chapter, yeah, because it starts um, off with uh, Koichi just in his home chilling, and Pop Step shows up, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't realize you'd be here." And he goes, "Well, this is my house after all," <laughs> which I thought was great. And she just grabs some pudding out of the fridge and starts eating it, and asks him what he's up to, and he's repairing one of his jackets, and uh, it looks like you know he had gotten it ripped or something, and so. She, she kind of criticizes him, like, why would you repair that? Why wouldn't you just go buy another one? And he goes, oh, well, this is official All Might merch. I can't just get rid of this. Like, I've got to keep, i got to keep this. I've, I've got one from every year. And he opens this drawer, and they're full of all of these All Might uh, jackets. Yeah, and he's, he's saying uh, that he's got, he's only, he's got all of them ever released. They put out a special edition every year, and he buys them all. Um, and he says, the only one that I'm missing is from five years ago, the Silver Age edition with the established colors scheme. And um, she says, oh, you're only missing the one. And he says, yeah, I gave it to somebody. Um, and he starts to go through this this um, flashback where he says, you know, truth is, coming up through middle school, I was really serious about becoming a hero. I signed up, you know, even to to get into the the course. But the morning of the exam, I was uh, I was running late. And was crossing this bridge, and I'd seen somebody in the river. Yeah, and uh, so he, you know, does the heroly thing or the heroic thing, and jumps into the river, grabs this kid, and uh, pulls the kid out, and he ends up giving the his like prized jacket to the kid because the kid's cold. So he wants to make sure the kid's warm, and uh, he ends up trying to make it to the hero exam, but or the the licensing exam, but totally completely misses. Or I guess it's a trial for school. It's not a licensing exam, but. Uh, yeah, it's just a game. Right, in. so he totally misses it, uh, and uh, he did not become a hero. And he talks about how this is one of those days that he thinks back on all the time. Like, if he had just made it to that exam, what would have happened? Where would he be today? I like a couple of details about the rescue, too. The first one is that he, when, he, when he's cannonballing into the river, he says, I am here, yeah. just like yep. All Might, um, who he was dressed up as. But then he starts complaining about how cold it is and that the current is going to sweep him away and that they're both going to drown. And then he just realizes that he could just stand up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought this was going to be a reference to that time that All Might saved that kid and Midoriya was reenacting his face from that one scene. Yeah, it definitely has some similarities. Yeah, that was the vibe I was getting. Um, but not not that not that time. It would have been cool. I would like to see some sort of like overlap there just a bit. Um, but... One of these yeah. days, maybe. He comes out of the river and just ends up giving his jacket to the kid because he was running late to this exam. And so he says, you know, maybe some heroic soul was imbued in that one hoodie and I ended up passing it on to some nameless boy. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of remembering. He's like, you know, it's, you know, that's just dumb, you know, a silly story or whatever. Um, and... Popstep says, basically all that playing at being a hero ended up screwing over your potential career path. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if only you hadn't have been a hero, you might have actually been a hero. Just totally um, rails on him for it. Yeah. She even and says, like, how utterly gets... stupid, and then storms out of the house. Yeah. And she's uh, she's boinging all the way back uh, to her house, and she's kind of, you know, calling him a dummy and nothing but an idiot, or at least you get the sense initially that that's what she's saying is that he is. Um, but it turns out that I think that she's actually saying this about herself. What do you think? Yeah. I kind of got the feeling as well. Um, 
Maybe, maybe it was just a mixture of both. Like maybe just a, he's a dummy that he doesn't realize the situation that they're in because we find out like as she's getting home, she's opening up her closet and she pulls out that exact jacket and she's like, that kid was me and I'm not a boy. Uh, so I wonder if it's just a mixture of like thinking about those things about herself and also thinking that about him since he doesn't realize that she's the kid that he saved, you know? Yeah. And, and she's been trying to tell him, but hasn't gotten up the courage to do it. And so she, there's this really cool page that I'll share on the Twitter that says, I was intrigued by him from that day forward. And now that I finally met him, but I haven't managed to thank him properly. And it kind of gives a little bit of weight to some of the times that she's been around and seen him and been watching these things develop around him. She's kind of been keeping a really close eye on him. Yeah. It's really um, sweet. She's just, yeah. I mean, it's, she's, she's wanting so bad to say, Thank you, finally. And it seems like she finally builds up the courage to do so. So earlier in this episode, or in this chapter, she had eaten a pudding of his. um, And they had a little fight about it. um, Which was basically her still being a coward about saying thank you. Um, You know, it's almost like a defense mechanism is her kind of being angry towards him and and keeping him at a distance. So she finally gets up the courage to go uh, and maybe finally say thank you. She goes and picks up some pudding um, and she's, as she's springing her way back there, she's like, thanks for saving me all those times. Sorry for ruining your exam back then. It's almost like she's working on the script, you know, um, you know, re- rehearsing what it is that she's going to say. Um, and it ends with, I've known all along that you have what it takes to be a hero, um, that you have, that you have been a true hero, but she gets there and tells Koichi that she wants to talk. But knuckle dusters there, yeah, kind of ruins everything, which is kind of his mo a little bit, just a little bit. She she knocks on the door and Koichi answers, and she's like, "Hey, I wanted to talk to you about something," and she seems real nervous. And knuckle dusters behind the door, he just says, "Oh yeah, we'll spit it out." <laughs> so then they there's a funny panel where Pop Step and Knuckle Duster are very angrily eating pudding. Yeah, and Koichi's <laughs> just like, "Um, hey, is there none left for me?" And because uh, it's great, Knuckle Duster is like, the hell did you buy the pudding for? This stuff's for kids and chicks. And Pop Step says, yeah. well, if you don't like it, stop eating it. And Koichi's in the back just like, oh, I want some. Yeah. Knuckle Duster is eating it angrily because it's all there is to eat. And she's eating it angrily because none of this is going how she planned. Right. And Koichi is like, what's in this bag? And presumably it's the All Might jacket that she was going to finally, you know, give back to him and present to him. Um, but she snatches it up and leaves and goes back into her apartment and, um, she pulls it on and she's kind of going back over something that he had said that when he puts it on, it gives him the courage. It fills him with courage. And so she, she pulls that on and she says, that's just silly and totally dumb. And that's kind of where it ends is her kind of crouched on her bed, um, wearing this, this all might jacket of Koichi's, um, yeah. and still trying to like, I, t- I read it as her trying to regain that that courage again like she had finally built it up it was smashed to bits with knuckle duster being there and so now she's back almost to square one where she's got to work herself back up to that courage and so one of the steps that she takes is doing what koichi said that you know this magic this this jacket had the magic of doing which is instilling in you courage so she sits there and puts it on and says almost as if to say i got to start this process over i need that courage again yeah so she's still moving in that direction i really liked that i think it's a very good chapter i think you're exactly right i i like this chapter a lot this was my favorite one out of this this group actually like it, f- it tied those characters together in such a great way i agree very it continues to be excellent there's no dip in quality from 
my hero to vigilante so far. Um, I will say it's a little formulaic. Very good. Like it feels very like introduce a villain in the beginning and have that villain be kind of hardcore, but then have the vigilantes take down said villain with no problems. Uh, but other than that, like I really enjoy it. I'm enjoying this story, and I'm I'm interested in seeing how it plays out. So I'm totally cool with reading four more chapters and reporting back in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, we have seen some villain of the week behavior, but we also know that there is somebody bigger in the background somewhere, right? You know, with working with Queen Bee, who they still haven't dealt with, yeah. than, you know, herself. So. Um, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm looking for I I really am looking forward to reading this more and talking about it more. And good lord, if they ever turn it into an anime, I am I'm in a hundred percent. If you're not reading this, if you've you know kept away from it just because it isn't my hero proper, you know the the my hero academia, highly recommend it. I'm sure Adam would would say the same. Go and pick Absolutely. this up. Um, it it is similar enough to my hero that you're gonna it's gonna feel familiar but different enough that it's not going to feel the same. And I like that. They strikes a really good balance between those two things. So very good so far. Agreed. Agreed. Well, that brings us to uh, the end of our episode where we like to talk about our live casting. So this week we were casting Vlad King. And I'm curious who you came up with, because I know you said that it was someone relatively obscure. Yeah. Um, initially, I had tossed around a couple of a-listers who I thought could do it and probably could, you know, um, I was thinking possibly somebody like Gerard Butler okay, or even Vin Diesel. Yeah. He was one of my A-listers um, I had thought of, but I had said at some point that I really don't see the point in putting A-list folks really in like bit parts and Vlad is, I mean, he's, he's, He's a bit part. You, you see him a little bit, you know, but he's not, he's not a big character. I mean, he hasn't you know been I mean? in the show in what, like 40 episodes? Yeah. I mean, he was in the third season during the summer camp arc. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. But um, still, I mean, so a teacher I, of noteworthiness. Yeah. So here's, here, here's who I went with. And I didn't even know this guy's name. I had to pull up cast list for the movie, the equalizer. Um, but I also knew that he was in Jurassic world um playing a very similar kind of role this is a guy whose name is tate fletcher t-a-i-t fletcher and this is a guy who i could have sworn when i was looking him up i was like i swear every one of his credits is going to be thug or soldier (laughs) or bad guy number three and like that is legitimately what half of his credits are um it's it's kind of funny if you scroll through his credits how often that's the case but um, he typically plays somebody who is, you know, a big soldiery kind of guy, gruff. Um, and I think that he would be an excellent Vlad, just a bit, a bit part character. I think he could do it really well. He certainly at the very least has the looks. Um, but I will say that I've only ever seen him really with his kick-ass beard. Um, and Vlad doesn't have a beard and that kind of makes me sad to, to think that that would have to go away. Yeah, this is a pretty, uh, pretty wicked beard. So I agree. Uh, that's interesting. I like that choice. That's a good one. Um, I, and I like your aspect of it being more of like a B actor. Not even a B actor, just not a main league actor. This is not Tom Cruise, you know? Yeah. So I chose Kevin Durand. Um, you probably know him as the blob from that Wolverine movie, that atrocious Wolverine movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was also in uh, Real Steel. The movie I saw him in most recently was called Dark Was the Night. And it is streaming on Amazon. And if you've not watched it, you should. It's awesome. 
that is a super good casting. Yeah. I like that a lot. I really like him because he's a great actor. And, you know, like, I mean, it, he, he's just good enough that he could take that role and really make it something special. But he's not going to steal every single scene that he's in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I super dig that. That's a really good casting, Adam. I, I, I would put him ahead of my guy, oh, even well, though I really like Tate that. and everything I've ever seen him in. So. I appreciate that. I also That's think, uh, and, and this <laughs> just my personal opinion, I feel like Kevin Durant looks a little bit like Elon Musk, and Hannah did not. He does a bit. She was like, he does a tad. I think there's something about him. It's like in the eyes or something. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I like I like him as Vlad. So are we kind of. Are we are we continuing with castings? I mean, I'll keep think? casting people as long as you've got someone to cast for me. <laughs> uh, I like casting people. I think it's fun. It's something I've always done with my D and D characters. I'll keep doing it for shows like this. But we're kind of running out of people that show up. You know, we haven't cast some of the um, vigilantes. Well, I was thinking we haven't cast some of the villain league, like Dobby. Or uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who else we haven't cast. We've done Tasaki, uh, didn't we? I don't think so. Have we? I don't think we've cast many villains at all. Yeah. Maybe we should do some villains. Okay. Let's do a villain. Um, what about, uh, you know what? I really like, uh, what's it? Babawara? Babawara. Babagara? Uh, twice. I, I know his villain name. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? What is his real name? Jin Bubaigawa. Bub. Bubai Gawara. See, I was close. I was close. You were close. close. (laughs) All right, so we're going to cast Jin. And can we, are we saying like, I mean, the easy cast would be Ryan Reynolds. Um, Okay, that's fair. Just because it's Deadpool, right? Okay, well, so let's just go ahead and skip this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's do, let's go Dobby. Yeah, I like that. Let's cast Dobby. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think so. I think Dobby would be good because I think we both agree that we're going to cast Ryan Reynolds as twice. So, yeah, I mean it's too easy. It Why is too easy. You? Why would you not do it? Uh-uh. Right. I mean, you. I mean, I guess it would be a challenge to try to figure out somebody that could do it that isn't Ryan Reynolds, but. But I mean, maybe, maybe later. Let's go. Let's do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's. I like that. Let's okay. do Dobby. That'll let's be do fun. Dobby. We haven't seen Dobby in a while, and I miss him. So yeah, we haven't, and I feel like he was up to some weird stuff last time we saw him. Yeah, and he's he was in the movie too. Oh, was he? I still haven't seen the movie yet, so I know we gotta fix that. We gotta fix that. Yeah, you gotta re- gotta release this stuff. I don't know who's doing. Is it Funimation? You gotta get on it. Probs. All right, well, well that wraps us up for episode for fifty. Yeah, yeah, episode fifty, man. That's cool. Uh, I mean, I if you had told me day one that we would reach fifty, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I'll tell you the <laughs> truth. But well, hey, um, here we I, are. I have. Thoroughly enjoyed all of them and look forward to at least this many more. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, you guys have a good week, and we will see you probably in two weeks. All right, see you guys. Bye. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. 
We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Simso. S I M S O. We get to see a lot of his um, uh, quirk, or not not quirk. Uh, his uh, I was gonna call it a clan. It's not a clan either. <laughs> his crew, his, his cohort, crew. his yeah, company. Well, what would you call his? Uh, it is his company, his technically. Squad. Yeah, it's just the, the group of folks that his. Uh, oh shoot! They did the. Whenever they trained with the people, they were doing their internship at a. My brain is totally blanking. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm trying to think of that term too now. Agency. Agency. That's wow. Okay. <laughs> How many people does it take to come up with a word, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll start over. I mean, I, to be fair, I came up with like six. You I you did. Yeah. Come I mean, up I, with the one. The, the one that we were looking for. The agency. Yeah.